As we think of Thanksgiving and we think of the many things that God gives to us, there's something else that I have thought we ought to give thanks for. Now, you might say, of course, we always could find more things to give thanks for, for in all things we ought to give thanks. But one particular item that is at forefront of my mind these last several weeks is thankful for the mission that God has given to us. Did you know that we have a mission? We also have missionaries. And we need to give thanks to God for the mission that he has given to each one of us, as well as for the missionaries that are sent forth from this church and supported by this church and all of them that we don't even know. For we all together have a vitally important mission. That mission was explained by Jesus before he went to heaven. We call it the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said that all power was given to him in heaven and on earth, and he gave us our mission to go, therefore, to the uttermost part of the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is a mission. Our English word is so common to us, we maybe don't understand its meaning. The word mission and missionary come back to the root word, actually from Latin, which means sent for a purpose. So having a mission, to be a missionary, means that you are sent for a purpose. And so we know as Christians that we all have been commanded to go to preach the gospel to every creature. We know that we have a mission and that we are sent to go and preach the gospel to make disciples. We have a commission, we have a mission we are sent on that is to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our mission. And as we do that in the different places that God has called us to, we trust in Him and we recognize that we are His, you might say, apostles. That's one of the words that's tied to the idea. An apostle is one who is sent with a message. He is a messenger, simply tied in with the same idea of being a missionary. So who sends missionaries? Are you a missionary? In, in the world of theology and missionology, there's lots of discussions and debates about what technically is a missionary and the defining of it. The truth is, is that we need to look at it in a very broad sense and then recognize that there are different narrowing downs of it. And in the broadest sense, above and overarching all dispensations, all times of history, before Christ came, while Christ was here on earth, after Christ came, the most basic understanding of being a missionary is one who is sent with a message, one who is sent for a purpose. Jesus Christ, you could say, was the very first missionary. Over and over in the Gospels, and in particularly the Gospel of John, it is said that Jesus was sent. 
he was sent. You know the key verse on this. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That was a missionary purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sent by the Father on a mission to be the Savior of the world. And Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, gave to all those who believe in him the command to go forth proclaiming his gospel, to go forth making disciples, to go forth being his witnesses. This morning, I'd like to look at the idea of what it means to be sent, and I'd like to look at it in some different categories. I'd like to look at it first in the way that it relates to every Christian, everyone who has received the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has come to live inside, and how and what your mission is. Secondly, I'd like to look at it in the way in which God has called specific individuals to leave their homeland or their place of comfort or their place of familiarity and to cross, cross over borders of geography or language to reach people that might begin to be strangers at the beginning. We, that is our most common understanding of what a missionary is. And we're going to look and see in these different categories what role and function the local church has in this. That's us together as a body in this place. And then we'll touch a little bit on what it is as in the, in the universal church or the greater body of Christ encompassing churches and true believers um, all over the world. And so we look first and foremost at the last chapter of Matthew. Can you turn there with me as we see the Great Commission? the commission of the missionary, whether the missionary is at home or travels across great distances of language or geography. Matthew 28, in verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, this is the power and the idea of authority, authority. Here he is taking authority or declaring his authority because he is about to appoint to send people on a mission, people, messengers forth. So he identifies his authority. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen means let it be so. We all have this mission, this commission. Are we fulfilling it? Are we faithful witnesses if we turn over to the book of Acts, where here we see this mission described as going forth, teaching, and baptizing? In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Great Commission is given in another way, or in other words. It's the same basic mission, but it's described a little different. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, but ye shall receive power 
after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Isn't that exciting? Over in Matthew, he says that all power I have, therefore I, I send you forth. Go. Now he says, you will receive power. You will receive authority. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will be indwelt with the Spirit of God. This is all of the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, it comes just 10 days later on the day of Pentecost. And what will happen when his body, Jesus Christ's church, receives this power of the Holy Spirit? Jesus says, here is the mission, ye shall be witnesses unto me. You will be witnesses. You will testify of who I am. You will testify my missionary mission, which is simply the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We're going to look at it a little bit more, but that is the, that is the witness, the testimony that we have, and we are do that upon the authority we receive and the power of the Spirit of God. Notice here it says both in Jerusalem. This was said in Jerusalem, just outside the city, and in all Judea, the region around Jerusalem, and in Samaria, a foreigner region, you might say, a little to the north, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Throughout the body of Christ, our mission together is to fulfill this mission. Now, uh, we might try around the world in 80 days, but um, it's kind of hard for each one of us individually to go to the uttermost part of the earth. That's the reason why this is a collective command to the whole body of Christ. We have our positions in different places. Some, God does not intend to go into what we might refer to in these days, vocational missionary service, to go to the uttermost part of the world. But every one of us have the command to be witnesses. Every one of us are, in a sense, missionaries in obeying this command. We're to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, and what does that look like? Turn with me over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 has some of the most basic foundational declarations of what it means and of how to be saved in summary of the gospel. In Romans chapter 10, I'd like to read verses 9 down through um, 18, verses 9 through 18. What do we preach? What is the message that we have in our mission? What is it that we witness? It is this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There is the gospel in a nutshell, an invitation to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to confess him with our mouth. For with the heart... The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, continues, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. It's not just limited to the Jews. It's to all people. In the body of Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. For the same Lord, is, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray that each of you have believed in your heart the Lord Jesus and called upon him and been saved. If you have, you now have a mission, and that is to preach this, to be a witness of this. How then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How will they believe in whom they have not heard? How will the lost hear this? Well, someone has to preach. Sometimes we think of a preacher as what I'm doing right here in the pulpit. And that is a form of preaching. But there are a whole lot of other ways of preaching. And the basic meaning of this is not someone who just stands up in front of a crowd and gives a speech. Um, Brother Bruce preached for us on, on Tuesday night in family Bible time, and I heard a little boy went home and said, uh, Mr. Bruce gave a nice speech. Well, it can sometimes be a speech, preaching, but preaching isn't always a speech. It's more frequently just a simple relationship and a sharing of your own testimony of what God has done for you. It is sharing in your spirit and in your attitude, in your acts of kindness. Yes, it does have to have the basics of the gospel of who Jesus is and what he's done, as well as the bad news that we're all sinners. But it's not done by standing up in front of a crowd most of the time. Most of the time is done by individuals showing love to their family, to their friends, to their neighbors, to their co-workers, and to strangers. Preach! How will they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless you preach? And how should they preach except they be sent? Except they be sent. Except they be a missionary. Well, as I said, we're all missionaries. But if we're going to fulfill the great commission of all around the world, then some of us have to go to the uttermost part of the world. Some of us have to stay, but some of us have to go to the uttermost part of the world. And who will send them? Who will send them to South Bend? And who will send them to Uganda and to Kenya 
who will send them to El Salvador? Who will send them to the uttermost parts of the world? Well, the answer is very fundamentally basic. We've already received the Great Commission from who? From the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who has sent us. Lord Jesus has an individual mission for every single one of us. And it is vitally important for us individually before our God to seek Him and to know what His calling in our life is and how we today are to be His missionary. That may be right there in your home. And for many of you, it is right where you live, reaching out from that place. Some, it may be a relocation, a missionary in the more technical sense that we understand it today, of crossing barriers of geography or language and culture. But each one of us have a responsibility to know that we have been sent and to recognize that no matter where we go, look at the declaration here. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Are your feet beautiful this morning? Do you go forth day by day preaching the gospel of peace? That is how those who are enemies of God can be reconciled to him, can have peace with God. These are the glad tidings of good things. And we are the missionaries to do it. God could have declared and had great, grandiose visions and declarations of his glory and his gospel. But he didn't choose to do it that way. He chose to use us vessels. He could have used angels. Why, angels declare good tidings? We think of that at Christmas time especially, as they declared the birth of Jesus Christ to some poor lowly shepherds. But God chose not that his gospel go forth by the glorious proclamation of angels, but by his body, his church, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And beware, verse 16, it is declared, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. You see, you're not, your job is not to convert people. That's what Jesus does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Your job is simply to be the messenger. Your job is not to debate them. Your job is not to persuade them. Your job is to simply be the messenger. And you will know that they have not all obeyed the gospel. The gospel is call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. They have not all obeyed it. And he cites the Old Testament where... It, Isaiah, Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, just because they don't believe it, don't be discouraged. Keep on the mission. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We have a mission. We are sent for a purpose of sharing the gospel according to the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? 
Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Many have asked the question, could that be said of our generation? I don't believe in putting people on a guilt trip. But it is something for us to keep in mind and to ask ourselves, are we doing all that we ought to do so that the words of the gospel indeed go to the ends of the world? They say that within seven people, you know everyone in the world. Acquaintances of me, your acquaintances, their acquaintances, down seven levels, you know everyone on earth. Mathematically, I guess that's true, and other pieces played into it. How much, then, are we just within seven levels of sharing the gospel? Reach and let the gospel be proclaimed in all the world. It's a very important piece of us. Oftentimes, we may think of ourselves not as missionaries and going across culture, geography, and language. But are we connecting with those who can already cross across the culture, the language, and the geography in sharing the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. How shall they preach except they be sent? My first application is, is that Jesus has sent every Christian to be his ambassador, to be his witness, every Christian. But God has also called specific individuals to leave their homes and to go on a particular mission. And those missionaries, what we commonly call missionaries, don't do that alone. We all need to have a part in that. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to Acts chapter 13. The book of Acts is the history of the early church The book begins with the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ into glory when he left us with this mission. He commissioned us as his missionary. Well, the church began to spread. It spread from Jerusalem into all Judea, just as Jesus had said. It had spread from Judea into Samaria. The gospel was being proclaimed by Philip, one of the first deacons in Samaria, region of Samaria. The gospel had spread up to a far northern city along the Mediterranean coast, north of Israel, to a city called Antioch. We oftentimes call it Antioch of Syria. And there was a church, a church similar to this church. And you might say, no, it's nothing like this church. Well, you know what makes a church a church? is people who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are filled with His Spirit. That's what a church is. And so there was a local group gathering, an assembly of called-out people there in Antioch of Syria, and they were serving God together in that place. We read in Acts chapter 13, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas, and Simeon, that were called Niger, and Lucius, a Cyrene, and Menanen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, whom you know as Paul. Notice in verse 2, it says, as they ministered to the Lord. 
these individuals were already ministering to the Lord in that local church of Antioch. They were missionaries in that place. But you know, God had a plan for some of them that was beyond just that place in Antioch. For it says that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, we already know that Paul had been called specifically to be an apostle, one sent with a message to the Gentiles. And so here now, it's the church together, these individuals together, have a leading of the Holy Spirit here declared as said, that Paul and Barnabas are separated unto a particular work and purpose. They're already serving as missionaries in that Antioch church, but now there's something special for them. And when they, they there is the whole church at Antioch, all of the Christians of believers in that church, had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Cilicia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And so began what is commonly referred to as the first missionary journey. Did you catch the word missionary in there? Well, what does the word missionary mean again? Missionary is not an English word. Missionary is a Latin word. And missionary comes from the word to be sent with a purpose. And so here... These men are being sent. And did you see? It says that they sent them away in verse 3. And then did you notice that it says that they, Paul and Barnabas, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost? What we see here is that Paul and Barnabas were set apart by the Holy Ghost for a specific purpose. This was a missionary endeavor to the Gentiles throughout Asia Minor. And God, the Holy Spirit, set them apart to send them. But it wasn't just the Holy Spirit who sent them. The church at Antioch recognized, acknowledged that the Holy Spirit had led these men in this way, and then they too sent them. This is important. It's actually something that is an issue somewhat new for our church in a special way because we have Matt Reisinger as a member of our church and he is leading of the leading of the Lord to serve the Lord in West Africa. He believes that God is sending him to minister in West Africa, whether that's in um, a few different places there on the western side. He's not quite determined, although I just had correspondence with him this week and the Lord is settling and directing in one particular direction for him. Now, we as a church, where he is a member together with us in this particular local body, do we too believe that God has called him for this purpose? And will we stand up and say, we too believe that God has set this man and his wife apart to the service of the Lord, and will we send them? Will we send them? Will we recommend them to other churches that we acknowledge and recognize their call of the Lord 
in being sent in a special mission as missionaries. That's what took place with Paul and Barnabas. And that's something that we need to consider as a church as it relates to our brother, Matt, and Anna, his wife. Do we believe that God has called them to be missionaries? And will we send them forth? What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of different things, and it could have a lot of different practical applications and a lot of different details. But let me give you, to start off, the very most basic, fundamental reality of what it is. It is us together, fasting and praying, confirming their calling of the Lord, and then we recommend them, lay hands on them, and send them. Send them can carry a lot of different practical applications of support financially, support in prayer, support in counseling, support in accountability, support in so many different ways, maybe all the way to the point of even going to help them in a short-term basis even, perhaps. There's many different ways that that can be, but in its basic idea and function, it is the acknowledgement or recognition of the church of their calling of the Holy Spirit and recognizing them. That's what the church did here in Acts chapter 13. And Paul and Barnabas went about and they were preaching the word of God. That was their mission. If we turn then to the end of Acts chapter 14, we look at verse 26. We find that these missionaries didn't just disappear from the lives and from the accountability of the church of Antioch who sent them forth. For as Paul and Barnabas went on this missionary journey throughout Asia Minor, we come to the end of that missionary journey in Acts chapter 14 and verse 26. For there it says, and thence sailed to Antioch. Does that sound familiar? Yes. From whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Do you see it there? That is the place where they had been recommended, where they had been confirmed. That's the place where they had been sent forth from. And now they've come back to that place, and it says in verse 27, and when they were come, they had gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. They're coming and they're sharing a report with the church who sent them. This carries with it not just an appoint, a report for the, everyone to rejoice and to celebrate in the gospel going forth and to hear of the stories. It also carries an idea of an accountability. And we find that these missionaries then, after this, are sent forth again from this church. And so it is an important ministry. As all of us are missionaries, all of us have received the mission, the, the sending of Jesus Christ to proclaim his gospel. All of us have that calling, every one of us. Some of us have a calling to a very specific and particular mission that may require us to cross boundaries of geography, of language, of culture. And in those cases, God has set those people aside, and it is the responsibility of the church, meaning the body of church, 
to recognize that call, to send them forth. What is it here described as? Recommending them to the grace of God for the work for which they are called to do. And so it's an important thing for us as a church to seek out from among ourselves, and in this case, at this moment now, we have Matt and Anna before us, and to say and ask, do we as a church of body recognize the Holy Spirit sending them, and do we recommend them? That's important because then as they go forth, they will not only be supported by our church, but they will go to other churches who are also a part of the body of Christ, and they will raise support. And that's how many of our missionaries are supported here. We refer to as our missionaries. They are sent forth from home churches in different parts of the country, in different places. Take, for example, Joe and Lindsay are sent forth right here from a church in South Bend. And that church in South Bend has recommended them to us and recommended them in their ministry. And it's an important, important piece of recognizing and knowing that there is an accountability and a recognition in these individual lives. And so here now, when we look to Matt and Anna, we have that responsibility. And it's not something we take lightly. Do you see what they did in Acts 13? They prayed and fasted over it. It was a serious and urgent matter that the church took responsibility in. And so I recommend this to you. And as you continue on and look at the ministry, we don't have time to go into it here this morning, but over in 3 John, you will find that John is commending a, a, a family there who was very careful to be taking care of brethren and strangers and were bringing them, it says, forward on their journey after a godly sort. And in a way, that's what we do when we support other missionaries from, who are sent by other churches, is that we are coming alongside them to help bring them forth. And there is so much involved in that that can be so practical. My purpose this morning, though, is to wait on the practical, but to share with you the biblical principle and foundation of what it means as a church to send a missionary. And there's a lot of different details we could talk about of what that practically looks like. It's, I've, I've, I've shared with different people that if ascending church is just simply a stamp on the back of a prayer card, that's not what ascending church is. It is ascending church that has a very close partnership and relationship with that missionary. And it's so very important. And so let me encourage you in two things this morning. First, are you a missionary? Are you obeying your Savior, your Lord, in being a witness of Him and a proclaimer of His gospel in your small corner? It may be your small corner where you are right now. It may be somewhere else in the world. Will you seek God in that, of how you will be a missionary today, tomorrow, this week? Be intentional about being a missionary. And then would you pray and fast with me regarding Matt and Anna and the role we have as a church in sending them forth as missionaries to West Africa.
we have a privilege before us. What will we do with that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we have your instructions before us. We consider our mission that you have given to us. May we be faithful stewards. May we be faithful witnesses and ambassadors as you have called each one of us. We pray for those that you have called in special ways to go, to go beyond in a special way. Lord, may we as a church be led according to your spirit in affirming and confirming those sent from this place, those sent from other places. May we be a faithful church in truly supporting, partnering with these missionaries that we will help them as they go forth. Lord Jesus, we long for you to be glorified, for people to be reached, because, Lord, you are amazing. And we sit back in this week and give thanks to you and celebrate and speak of our thanksgiving to you. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we praise you and thank you in this week, we will also be sharing with others and making known to others your salvation, for which I hope we all are extremely grateful this day for. We commit ourselves to you and pray these things in your name. Amen.